Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. Today's passage is Genesis 26 through 28. A lot of things that we see in the Bible, I guess you could say, have two edges. And one of those edges is soft. And it's comforting, and it's healing, and it's encouraging and uplifting. And the other edge is a little more pointed. It's a little sharper, and it kind of cuts us, obviously, in a a good way, in a way that we need conviction. It it brings that uh, to us and shows us ways that we need to change. And we're going to see that again in our reading today in Genesis 26 through 28. One theme that I hope we're seeing again and again and again here in Genesis is the faithfulness of God. God does what he says. God has made these promises and he's going to fulfill them. Really, not just to Abraham, but Abraham himself is part of the fulfillment of the promise we see back in Genesis 3 of the seed of the woman. And the murder of Abel can't stop that. The flood can't stop that. And it comes down to Abraham. And now we see that promise established with Abraham. And specifically today, we will see it passed on to Isaac and then to Jacob. God is working his plan. God is keeping his promises. And we can trust that God will always do that. We're seeing specifically how God did that with the patriarchs, but it is to show us always God is going to accomplish his plan and keep his promises. And so as we think through, okay, now, what does that mean for us? Well, we're going to see two things today, kind of two edges of that reality. One is softer and more comforting, and the other may cut us a little bit in a way that may be needed. And the the soft way, the encouraging way is what we can count on the promises of God and respond to them in trust and in worship. That's a good um that's a good thing. And we can see that in our reading today. If God is so faithful, if God is working his plan, we can count on that. The kind of sharper edge to that reality is, well, we have to submit to the word of God, even when we don't like it. And there's sometimes where what God is doing to accomplish his plan might not be what our flesh wants. And we need to say, no, I am going to submit to God's word. So let's look at how that all um, comes together. First, let's think about how we can count on the promises of God, because that's one of the, the big things we see, especially in chapter 26 and 28. We see God carrying on and establishing the promise um, that he made to Abraham, to his son Isaac, and then Isaac's son Jacob. And if you look there in uh, chapter 26, you see in verse 2, God appears to Isaac. 
and tells him, don't go down into Egypt. Uh, You need to dwell in the land. I will tell you because then he says, I will be with you and I will bless you. And for to you and to your offspring, I will give all these lands and I will establish the oath that I swore to Abraham, your father. So God is now establishing that oath from Abraham to him. And notice one of the ways he says it, I will be with you. And even he reiterates multiplying offspring as stars of heavens and in your offspring, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So these things are reiterated to Isaac and God will be with him. And chapter 26, there's a lot of like father, like son going on in chapter 26. We see the same promises, but we see some of the same failures. We see Isaac do the same thing with Rebekah that Abraham did, saying, hey, say you're my sister. And he is caught laughing with his wife. That's how the ESV puts it. Um, the, the Hebrew word may suggest something more intimate than just laughter, but whatever it is, it was clear, eh, this is not your sister. That's not something you do with your sister. And it became apparent. And that's a similar thing to what Abraham did by saying that his wife was his sister to avoid uh, what he thought would be mistreatment because his wife was so beautiful. And then we see some conflict with Isaac uh, and uh, Abimelech or the people from that area. And we see ultimately God providing for Isaac. We see God leading him. One thing that, that I think we should note in verse 25, it says, so he built an altar there and called upon the name of the Lord and pitched his tent there. And there Isaac's servants dug a well. So now he's following also though in his father's footsteps of faith, because those are words and actions we saw Abraham doing that he called upon the name of the Lord and he built an altar. So he's looking to God, calling on the name of the Lord. He is worshiping God, building an altar. And so a lot of like father, like son in chapter 26, but God establishing his promise with Isaac. Then chapter 27, we get into the intrigue and the deception of Rebecca and Jacob teaming up to deceive Isaac. And it is a, this is an interesting chapter. I mean, Rebecca is going to great lengths to deceive her husband. And there's some shocking statements. I mean, she says, when Jacob's like, what if I get caught, basically? In verse 13, Rebecca says, his mother, it says, his mother said to him, let your curse be on me, my son. Only obey my voice and go bring them to me. Wow, what like a bald-faced move that Rebecca is making. And then Jacob tells some straight up lies to his father. Jacob says to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. He lies saying, God granted me success. He's pulling God into his lie. And when Jacob or Isaac asked Jacob straight up, are you really my son Esau? He answered, I am. What What an amazing story and what a shocking uh, move of deception. But that's where we need to see past the human cunning and see what had God said here. God had said about Esau and Jacob that the older will serve the younger. So 
here, this does not justify Rebecca or Jacob in their actions in any sense, no more than Pontius Pilate and the Romans and the Pharisees and Herod were justified in the actions they took in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. But in both circumstances, it is the misdeeds of men that God is using to accomplish, in some sense, his purpose, because now Jacob is blessed. And that's something then, as we move through the story, we see then God making that clear in chapter 28. God then extends um, the the promise to Jacob through this vision where he sees what, what it calls a ladder up to heaven and the Lord is standing above it as the angels are ascending and descending. Um, and God then reveals himself to Jacob saying, I am the Lord, the God of Abraham, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. And later he also reiterates in you and in your offspring shall all the families of the earth be blessed. So we see this promise to Abraham now in our reading today, explicitly passed on to Isaac and then explicitly passed on to Jacob. And notice what then he goes on to say to Jacob, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So there we see God keeps his promises. God fulfills his plans. And one of the specific promises, again, that's kind of, that brings us that softer edge, I guess you could say of this passage is that God will be with you. Now, God makes that promise clearly to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in this way. But if we look at the whole Bible, we know that whoever is one of God's people can claim that same idea that God is with us. God will never leave us nor forsake us. As it says in Hebrews, we can count on God being with us. So we, like Isaac, we should call upon the name of the Lord. And you don't need to go build an altar, um, but you can worship the Lord. We need to do these things. Now, what's that more maybe hard edge of this passage? I think it's something that we see in Isaac. We see clearly Isaac favors Esau. And now that is not helpful. That is not healthy. I think even Rebecca, now she's never going to see Jacob again. So, so there is consequences for even Rebecca's sin here. But notice Isaac, when he realizes that he has blessed Jacob instead of Esau, what does he do? Well, I would say he submits to the word of God. He doesn't then, I mean, there's so much conniving going on in this passage. Isaac does not then respond with conniving of his own. All right, Esau, well, we're going to get Jacob back and we're going to take the blessing back and we're going to take your birthright back while we're at it, right? Well, we're going to scheme to accomplish our own ends. No, he ends up telling to his favored son, he says, no, your brother's going to be blessed. And he says, Behold, away from the fatness of the earth shall your dwelling be, and away from the dew of heaven on high. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. Right? Um, But when you grow restless, you shall break his yoke from your neck. So in some of these paternal blessings, we do see prophetic elements here in Genesis. And this is 
predicting some of the strife between uh, Edom, which would be the descendants of Esau, and Israel. But we see a submission to the word of God. God has said the older will serve the younger. And now Isaac is saying, you know, that's that's what's going to happen. And then when he sends Jacob away, he's not saying, Jacob, you conniving son, I don't, I hope I never see you again. No, look at what he says in chapter 28, verse 3. God Almighty bless you and make you fruitful and multiply you, that you may become a company of peoples. May he give the blessing of Abraham to you and to your offspring with you, that you may take possession of the land of your sojournings that God gave to Abraham. So we see Jacob receiving from Isaac here. Basically, the passing on of the Abrahamic promise before we see God even do that. I do think that shows to some extent Isaac realizes, no, what God said is going to happen. And at some point, instead of fighting against that, he submits to that. So two things in response to this wonderful idea that God keeps his plan and keeps his promises on kind of the positive, the softer, encouraging side of that, God is with us. Let's worship him. Let's call on him. Something that may be more convicting to us, we need to submit to God. And when his plan goes against what we feel like are our plans, we need to submit those to him. Hopefully we're helped and convicted by God's word today. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. For more resources, check out revivalfromthebible.com. To learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley, go to compassbible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.